Support for this program is provided by Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. I think we can break the package up, get as much as we can now, and come back and fight for the rest later. On Wednesday, President Joe Biden endorsed trimming the stalled Build Back Better Act. And he pointed to one part of the bill that Democrats agree on and should move to pass. It's clear that we would be able to get support for the $500-plus billion for uh, energy and the environmental issues. Today, Politico's Josh Siegel on the latest with the Build Back Better package and what it could mean for the bill's climate and energy provisions. It's Friday, January 21st. So, Josh, what do President Biden's comments Wednesday mean for the Build Back Better package? I think it's really a resetting of what Build Back Better actually means in practice and how Democrats try to enact their agenda. They're still going to pursue a reconciliation bill, meaning they're doing a process that allows them to bypass Republicans and and only need a majority vote. But they're going to essentially pursue fewer policy areas within the reconciliation bill, with climate change being among those, because they feel like that's an area where the holdout vote, Senator Joe Manchin, has signaled the most interest in. They feel like he's almost on board with a lot of it. So they're saying, let's cut out maybe some of the other social policy areas that are not as attractive to Senator Manchin, but let's still do something. And I think everyone from President Biden, Senate Democrats and House Democrats feel somewhat on the same page where they definitely weren't before the president made his statement. Right. Because you were on this podcast earlier this week talking about how Senate Democrats weren't particularly interested in pursuing a smaller bill that included the climate provisions while cutting the other social policies. Did Biden's comments once they change that? Yeah, it almost feels like that it kind of woke them up to reality a bit because they weren't getting anywhere with their approach of getting everything in. And so it, it does feel like a change. I will say I don't think there's agreement on which of these policies would be a part of a re-envisioned Build Back Better. I mean, which of these policy items fit in this smaller Build Back Better remains to be seen. But I do think there's more of an acceptance among Senate Democrats that some items will have to be cut to get something done. Yeah. Can you remind us what's in the legislation that Democrats have already signaled they agree on when it comes to the climate and energy provisions? Yeah, so it's already been compromised somewhat to get Senator Manchin's support. And now it's it's mostly tax credits. It's about $550 billion in total climate and clean energy provisions, more than $300 billion of that being tax credits. And, and these aren't just tax credits in the way that we've thought about them in the past and the way that Congress has passed them in the past. These are longer. These would be 10 years through the full duration of, of reconciliation. They would include new technologies like hydrogen, energy storage, And there would be a direct pay element, so getting around the debt markets and not having to rely on banks. So these are things that we haven't seen Senator Manchin, the the chief holdout, he hasn't really, at least publicly, said much to suggest that he opposes that stuff. Now, there's a few outstanding issues that I'm I'm sure you'll want to get into, but most Democrats feel like the tax credits are in a pretty good place. Right, yeah. What are the sticking points that we could see potentially slowing down progress on the climate side of things? I, mean, I feel like they're, they're really the same things we've been talking about for a long time. There's, there's a methane fee, and Democrats have, in the House passed version, already made compromises to that, put in a significant amount of subsidies that would operators could use to 
basically purchase technology that could help them detect methane leaks and comply with this fee and and hopefully avoid it. But in the Senate, Senator Manchin hasn't full-flung said, I'm good with this, and it would seem to maybe go against his concerns on inflation. So that's a big question mark. Another is within the tax credits, there's a credit for purchase of electric vehicles, and there's an extra bump if that electric vehicle is produced in the U.S. by union workers. Senator Manchin has an automaker in his state that does not employ union workers, so he's not a fan of this, so that would need to be changed. I've been told there's work on that, not sure what that would look like. So those are a couple of big ones that I'll be watching. Yeah, and you're recording today from the Hill. What's the latest that you are hearing from lawmakers after Biden's comments? So yeah, I mean, a lot of people talking with Senate Democrats, a lot of them who are very invested in the climate issue, like Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico is one of them. And as he told me, look, this makes a great deal of sense what President Biden said. I mean, we have to find the areas where there's consensus, but they're still very much saying we're not sure what those details look like within the policy areas, including climate. They haven't talked in a while. Voting rights has really been the the focus here in the Senate over the last few weeks. Senator Manchin is telling reporters on the Hill Thursday that he's going to start with a clean slate and kind of start over. So we're not really sure if kind of what he said, this optimistic portrayal we have from his colleagues that they're in a good place with climate, really not sure if that still stands and, he, and he's not really saying. So I think it's kind of the beginning of a new process from their perspective, and they're going to take the month of February to really start to get back to negotiating with him and seeing if there's something they could salvage ahead of the State of the Union uh, that the president will give on March 1st. Also, global oil supplies could experience a, quote, massive rise in 2022. That's what the International Energy Agency's head of oil market analysis said on Thursday. The main factors that could drive the growth in supply are Saudi Arabia and other oil-producing countries in OPEC ramping up production. That's after those countries cut back on production in 2020 because the pandemic caused demand to fall. China is also expected to release oil from its strategic petroleum reserves at the end of this month. The news that global oil production could rise might ultimately help tamp down fuel prices that have risen around the world, which domestically have been a stumbling block for President Joe Biden. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Carlos Prieto and Raghu Manavalan edited this week's podcast. Normal Malaykul is the producer of Politico Energy. Jenny Amet is the senior producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron's El Segundo refinery is looking to turn plant-based oil into renewable gasoline, jet, and diesel fuels, because it's only human to want to power a better future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lower carbon.